Malachi. If you want to turn there, to, uh, we'll be actually uh, really s starting off in verse 13, but first of chapter 2. But first, again, just a quick review for those of us that are here and, and watching and listening. Other review of Malachi again, right? It was the last words, you know, the last revelation of God, words that he spoke to his people for 400 years until John the Baptist, you know, announcing the coming of the, you know, preparing the way for our Lord Jesus Christ. Written approximately 420 B.C. And as we looked, as, as we've gone through so far, we looked in the beginning of the first thing. God tells them that he loved them. They didn't understand nor, nor believe nor perceive that great love for him that was different than the love for, for his general grace that he shows upon, upon all, all his creatures but that his people he particularly loved. And he still, you know, to this day, particularly loves us. And we looked at that and talked much about that. And the other thing we looked at, uh, first thing he accused them of, right, they, had care they, they carelessly worshipped God and held him in, in, what's the word he looks at? They profaned his table, they polluted it, and they despised it and snuffed at it, and looked at it as something to be held in contempt. They felt compelled to do it. They didn't want to do it, but they felt that they must do it, and if they did it, they should be blessed for it. But they weren't being blessed, But because every, every time we, we've looked at that, every time throughout this, when he brings out a specific reproof, they're like, well, in what way? They would not acknowledge their sin. They, they become very hard-hearted and callous in, in their sinning and would not repent because the first part of repenting is acknowledging that you've done wrong. They wouldn't do that. And we looked at not only did it become so atrocious that they not only on his sacrifices, which were, you know, which were a paramount thing in his worshiping, they had bought him the blind, the lame, the sick, they had bought him an offering of offerings unto God that he even told them they knew. They knew wouldn't, they would never give unto a governor, give unto someone, someone in, you know, in charge of that they actually showed some fear and respect to in the human realm. Right? But they offered him to God and they expected him, you know, were amazed that he wasn't accepting them. And they even went to so far, and we talked about that, if you remember. They even were committing violence against their neighbors and offering what they had obtained by robbery unto him, right? And these were abominable things, and yet they did it. And he first, you know, as a priest in charge, they had done it, but all the way down to the whole nation, they had just gone along with this sin, and it, it had become very deep. It had become very deep in, in the nation. And then, as we talked about the last, last few times, right, they had married foreign wives. Right? They were called, there would be God's people. They, it was a thing they were to stay within their own nation. For God wanted a holy seed. He bought it up, right? And it, no corruption. It was a very important thing because the big thing about it, we got to remember back in those times especially, everyone worshipped some type of God. 
right? But if you're not worshiping the one true God, you're worshiping a demon. You're worshiping demons, whether you realize it or not. And because they were marrying these foreign wives, they were becoming, they were basically, as I, if you recall, mentioned that one commentator, those that married these idolaters' wives were like they were becoming son-in-laws to, a, you know, to an idol. But it, it, it was a gross thing, and he even called it, if you remember, going back to, going back to verse, uh, go back up to 2, verse 10, uh, uh, verse 11, Judah hath dealt treacherously, and an abomination is committed in Israel and in Jerusalem, for Judah hath profaned the holiness of the Lord which he loved, and hath married the daughter of a strange God. So this was not a minor thing, right? It, it was treacherously. And it's interesting, that word, here's what treacherous means. To cover with a garment. Okay, because the very next thing, right? To act covertly, deal deceitfully. So they were doing, they, they were being treacherous in their treating, particularly, we'll go and we'll look at that with their wives, but this thing was a treacherous deal. The way they were acting in their hearts, right? Doing this thing was a very treacherous thing. But I want to stop there for a minute and not get ahead of myself. The other thing, we had talked about that, how that was a gross violation. He particularly got that out, you know, after, after giving the severe rebuke to the priest, right? Now he comes back to all the people again. All the people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In, in verse 11, he talks about, uh, I'll just get back there, dealing treacherously, married to our strange God. Verse 12, the Lord will cut off the man that doeth this, the master and the scholar, out of the tabernacle of Jacob, and him that offereth an offering to the Lord of hosts. So everyone, anyone and everyone doing this, priest and, you know, commoner, you know, I mean, it was a priest, it was everyone. Anyone, anyone, whether they are priests, whether they were teacher, whether, you know, whether that are a learner, supposed to be a learner. He'll cut them all off for doing this. Well, now we come to that. We see they had, they had done that. Now, what was, uh, what was the other thing, right? They were treacherous. They had married the daughter of a strange god. So they're being treacherous and deceitful. But how is this? Now, we've got to combine the two. Go to verse 13, starting in verse 13. And this have ye done again. Okay, uh, again, right? They're dealing treacherously. They're doing this. Remember, we talked about it. They had in the past, time and time and time again, taken foreign wives and gone astray from God. Covering the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and with crying out, insomuch that he regardeth not the offering anymore, or receiveth the goodwill at your hand. I'll read 14 because it goes together and then we'll talk about it. Yet ye say, wherefore? Again, right? I mean, what, what, what have we done wrong? What, what are, why are you? Why are you upset? Us? What, what do you mean you won't? You won't? You won't answer our prayers. You won't accept our offerings anymore. Because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou thou hast dealt treacherously. Yet she is thy companion, and the wife of thy covenant. Isn't any strange thing that if they're, then if they're openly and willing in their hearts and minds to break the covenant with God. 
they're going to break the covenant of their wife, no problem. Right? You know, John talks about that, a good way to measure our own walk in that. If ye say, right, if you love God, you're going to love those that are his people, right? And if they love God, they love their own people, and expect particularly their wives, particularly their wives who they're committed to. But the reason I want to read those together, it's interesting, because it's funny when he, when they have verse 13 there, and the vast majority of commentaries I read say, well, the weeping and the crying out, they're referring to the wives are being treated this way, we're weeping and crying out about it, and, you know, and that's, and, you know, and, and that's, and the Lord was not accepting that. But I'd say that could be, but it doesn't seem to be quite keeping in the context of it because, remember, we also need to keep in the context of the whole letter. And, and with that, what I mean is if, if we go back and look there, they're crying, and this he did again. So when we see, if you look at the history of Israel, God blessed them. They sinned. One thing they always did is started to marry foreign wives. Then, after not, not accepting reproof and repenting, God disciplined them. And the more they rebelled, he disciplined them harsher. Then they blame God, and they start saying, why are you doing all this thing for us? What? Right? <laughs> no different. And they'd cry, and they'd cry, and they'd cry. The Lord won't. But let's just take a look and, and see if keeping with it, is this kind of common, that verse 13? Is it just about because, you know, is he just saying, well, the wives, right? Because he was saying, because by their point of view, I'm not saying all of them, we're the vast majority, but taking that, taking that understanding of it, it's just saying, well, the Lord's just talking about the wives coming and crying and weeping at the altar because of the way that they were entreated by their husbands. Remember, the husbands are responsible, but I don't think the wives are without any sin in their lives. But, but, but that's what they're saying. They're just keeping it confined to that one thing, that one thing. And I believe that's part of it. But because of all the sin going on, right, because of all the sin going on, right, basically, repent, stop the sin. Stop this in particular. Stop this way you're treating your wives and the way it's ruining the society and ruining the nation, as you can imagine what was, what was happening, because they were doing it, as I said about that, treacherously, right, deceitfully, trying to cover it up. You know, it's kind of like even today, how can we look at it? Do, are we putting on a show? Are we being hypocrites? You know, do we act a certain way in church or around one another, but a, a different way around everybody else? You know, do, do, do people start... Right, our sin eventually will find us out. We can cover it for a while. But we're trying to act like good, good Christian people, but at the same time we're being treacherous. We're doing sinful, sinful things, mean things and that, and we're trying to cover it up, trying to do it under cover of darkness. So the word goes there. But let's just look at some other places and see if this is a common thing running through the nation. Go to Psalm 78. And this is just a few again, you know, this is a very condensed deal. You know, once again, with almost everything, you could, you know, spend an, uh, an hour easy just reading scriptures that, that directly reference God not, God telling them, I'm not accepting your offerings because they're in vain. Your heart's not in it, right? But go to Psalm 78, 
And Psalm 78 is really good. I recommend reading for it because there we see the, how after delivering them time and time and time again, God was long-suffering with them, but they kept sinning against him in the wilderness. But Psalm 78, let's go to verse 33. <clears throat> you know, we'll start in, verti, verti, in 32. For all this they sinned still, and believed not for his wondrous works. Therefore their days did he consume in vanity, and their years in trouble. And, and, these, and these people here in Malachi's time were experiencing trouble too. Remember, if we go back and look at that, and we, and we will, but if you go back to uh, Malachi really quick, you'll see in there, remember, go, go back in verse 2, and he even says in chapter 2, verse 2, if you will not hear, and if you will not lay it to heart. In other words, if you won't take it in and you won't repent, right, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you. And I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already. He's telling them it'll get worse. It'll keep getting worse. He was all bringing it upon them. That's one of the reasons they're crying with altars, right? Things were getting blessings. And he already told them earlier in verse 1 that he wasn't accepting their offerings anymore. And that's another way of saying, too, that they weren't being blessed as a nation anymore, individually or corporately. God was removing that, just like he's removing it from this nation because of our sin. But, uh... Verse 34, when he slew them, back in Psalm 78, when he slew them, then they sought him, and they returned and inquired early after God. Yeah, they're starting to see some things, right? So they're coming back. Hmm. And they remember that God was their rock, in the high God their redeemer. Verse 36, nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongues. Verse 37, for their heart was not right with him. Neither were they steadfast in his covenant. Just like they're not being, remember, they're going through these motions of worship, but they're violating everything along the way. Their hearts were not in it. They held it in contempt. They despised it. They despised him and his ways, but they're still going through the motions, and they still expected a blessing from it. But they were not steadfast in his covenant, right? And their, their heart was not with him. Uh, go to, We'll just look at some other ones real quick. Go to Proverbs 15.8. And when we're reading all, all of these, I like to keep one thing in mind that just gets jumping out to me about this. God is gracious in that, even when we're his people on that, but not repent. But remember this. There comes a time. God is not mocked. What we reap, we will sow. The only reason we don't sow it at certain times is because of his grace and long-suffering. But I always put it, that's why, just like when, as, as an elder, if I always get biblical counsel to people, there's that exhortation, that's just awesome, and they're really listening, you're, you're, you're exhorting them. Then there's reproof, it's a little more direct, you know, and then there's rebuke, and I call it, then there's lay the hammer down, very direct, you know, but he does with us that way, but go to Proverbs 15, 8, and... Remember, and he was, he's talking there right back in verse 13. He regards not the offering anymore or receives of the goodwill at your hand. Remember, and he, he talked about that back in chapter 1, 2, right, about not accepting the offering. We, we'll, 
well, you know, talking about, well, if you bought something like that to your governor, would he receive you? He's letting him know, do you think I'm receiving it? Do you think I, that's okay with me? But Proverbs 15, 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. You know, and, and in the fence, apart from the grace of God, right, and he is talking, if you're doing wickedness, right, and these, that's what these people were doing, and they're unrepentant of it, your prayer is an abomination, because you had no intention. You're not following his covenant. You're not breaking his laws. You don't hold him in any regard whatsoever. You're just lip service. And he knows everything. So the best thing you do is just be honest and repent. You know, it's funny. We were talking about one of our daughters and that. You know, it's like kids just don't want to hear reproof anymore. Proverbs 21, 27. <clears throat> the sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. How much more when he brings it with a wicked mind? And it's not, in, you know, he told them, he's already pointed out, it's not that these people and their hard hearts don't know what they're doing is wrong. They've just been doing it so long, they've become so hardened to it, they would not accept the reproof. They could not see. They would not see the error of their ways. You know, we'll look at that later near the end of Malachi. There are those, and God always has those as remnant. His people will eventually respond and repent. They, they, they always do. They always do. But we need to keep in mind also he talks to this. This, were, this was his covenant people he was talking. He made a covenant with them. And he kept throughout Scripture. We see that. And he's always saying, come back. Come back. Repent of your wickedness. And I will be gracious unto you. I will pardon, right? He's gracious, long-suffering, willing to pardon. But you must acknowledge and repent. <clears throat> uh, Isaiah chapter 1. And I kept saying, you know, how, how is this so applicable to us? Well, look around the society around us. <laughs> but also... In our own lives, we always need to be, we should always, right? We're told, we're told throughout the New Testament, too. Well, two times directly to examine ourselves. But many times, right, we're called to be holy. That's not what you hear from 99% of the pulpits today. They don't talk about sin. We're called to be holy. Yes, do we stumble? Do we still have the flesh to deal with? Do we still have the world to deal with? Do we still have the devil to deal with? Yes. Are any of those an excuse according to the word of God? No. You stumble, if you fall, if you sin, you repent. If you don't, things will get harsher on you. If they're not, then run to the Lord in prayer. <laughs> and that's why, right? But there's, that, there, there's always that desire. There needs to be that desire to live pleasingly unto God. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, and it, it should, it should bother him. I mean, it, it really should. And it, we'll just look at that. But remember, after he's done with this whole reproof, we're going to see that the section starts off that ends the book of Malachi with, then those that feared God, 
feared, held them in regard, held them in awe, in great awe, right? And we're not saying they repented there, but we know from the rest of the scripture that that was the idea, right? And those that, his people hear. His people listen. And it's his, his grace and his power. We will listen. And just like he did there, how does he do? By his spirit, through his word. You know, he'll speak to us. But Isaiah chapter 1, and I just got to start here. Okay, here's verse 1. Now, keep in mind, this was, this was before, you know, the captivity happened. Malachi is after that captivity, after they were bought back to the land. But let, let's see, what, what was going on here? Starting in verse 2, chapter 1 introduces, you know, the writer, <laughs> Isaiah, right? But, uh, of course, and we understand that. Got to say that for anyone watching, too. No, Isaiah doesn't say, God says, using Isaiah. Okay. But hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his corner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. And I've got to say one thing, and I'm not one of those people who say, hey, America's a new Israel. I'm just saying, speaking of this nation and this land right now, to wake people up, but also we as a church, anyone calling upon us, need to take this, right? This nation has gone way away from the Lord. But uh, jump ahead to verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. In other words, we know from that, and we know the story you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, they had become grossly wicked, so wicked, as a matter of fact, that it was the first one laid down for all ages was a worldwide flood where he saved Noah and his family. The second one was the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and all the cities around her because of their gross sin. So he's, he's comparing them to that. That, that. That's how sinful they had gotten. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you read into that. What did they want to do? What are we told in Scripture that they wanted to do under the, who they thought were just good-looking men, what they wanted to do to them, the entire city before, he, before the final judgment? Okay, verse 11. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. Just imagine, if you ever do that, I just recommend I love when I'm by myself, kind of, I don't, not as loud, I have a loud voice, but kind of murmuring, it's sometimes good to do that, and trying to read the scripture as it's coming to me, how it was presented. You know, imagine when it was read. You know, you read a book and, you know, there should be exclamation points or something there. You know, I don't think he was saying, oh, to what purposes? You know, but, uh, you know, he's fed up. Imagine today, right? I'm. I've had it. I have had it. You know, the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When ye come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? 
Bring in no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me, remember, when our heart is not in it and we do it falsely. If we're not, apart from when we come to him in our hearts and our minds and our lives, we're not trying to live for him. It's an abomination. And he said, enough. You know, after so much time, enough. Uh, Verse 13, bring no more vain oblations, incense is an abomination unto me, the new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feast, my soul hateth. By the way, that doesn't mean my soul loves it less. They are a trouble unto me. I am wary to bear them. And when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. You say, oh, f- full of blood. Well, remember we talked back in Malachi. How were, they, how were they violently robbing from people these animals they were given on the sacrifice? We're not told there specifically, but I'd say they're harming their brethren. Obviously, there, there was some of that going on, and obviously it was widespread because it was one of the few direct things we're told about in Malachi they were doing, and he, and he admonished them greatly for. But you know, it's one thing, and I, I want to do this, right? And right away after that harsh rebuke, just as we see this harsh rebuking letter in Malachi, what's the next thing our long-suffering, gracious God does? Wash you, make you clean. Put it away of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment and relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You know, we look at that. We talked about that. The Old Testament was foreshadowing the coming of Christ because they knew, right? The blood of bulls and goats, you know, it can never take away sin. But those ones that knew trusted in God and knew there was a promise of a Messiah, of a Savior to come. And they would be right before God in eternity. And now Jesus has come. And now for us, it's the same thing. Remember, God changes not. God changes not. He calls us just in the New Testament over and over and over again. Be ye holy as I am holy. The grace of God teaches us to deny all ungodliness, right, and live sober godly, righteous lives. And there's in the world today, in the church today, by and large, the professing church, they want to just excuse sin. They don't even talk about it. They just want to excuse it. And all unrighteousness is sin. All unrighteousness is sin. And it's not that we always have to make sure that every single direct thing, Mike puts it so well on that, it's not that we need to go before there and remember an address and think really hard, okay, what's, did I mention every single sin I committed? And I go to the Lord in prayer. I guarantee you're not going to. There's sins of omission. By the way, did you have a proud moment? Bam. You sin. <laughs> I, think, I think we all, oh. <laughs> you know, we, he doesn't. We're, we, we're not going to be perfect this side of heaven. But I, I think the way I put it the best, but we should be trying and praying and counting on God to help us out. And we should, we should be and want to be 
getting better and getting stronger, being built up in the Lord by his spirit, by his power, through his word. Amen? Yeah, yeah. You know, he became to be our savior, not from the ills of the world, to be a savior from our own sin. <laughs> it, it, that's basically what they're saying, right? And watch this one guy, Greg Laurie. Oh, God came. You want peace? Need to find peace? And that's great. You will, you will find peace with God and joy with God. But God did not become man and die on the cross in order so we'd feel good all the time. And that's basically what the message you hear today is. He came there to save his people and to make unto himself, again, right, a holy people living unto him and being his witnesses. Not Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> Of being his witness, being his faithful witnesses in the world. Right? But, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, cleanse us of our secret faults, yeah. No, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's trivial. Yeah, okay, yeah.
Yeah, what, what, my, what my point was being, there's a lot of teaching out there, and it's very prevailing, right? And I think peop some people that are well-meaning that say, right, well, the reason you're not having a peace or the, re the only way you can find peace or the reason something is going on in your life because you haven't, you haven't found the specific root whatever sin is. But sin in and of itself is the root in, in the end. But the thing what I'm saying is, right, in Christ, right, we're not judged according to that because we'll never be perfect. Not every one day we go actually is perfect because I guarantee you every moment of every day we don't put the Lord God first, you know, for, right? And that's what I'm saying, that it's not so important. The particular sin is the fact that recognizing that we, we do sin and we rely solely, right, upon his grace and his finished work. And it, that, 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 that was my point, you know, instead of, you know, and, and it's fine. I, I do it too, you know, particular things that come to your heart, and it's really good to be very sensitive to that. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, but not, you know, just realizing that it's, you know, it's, it's not that. It's like if, if you've, because sometimes what people do is they truly in their heart of hearts with sincerity have repented of something they've done in the past. But now and then the enemy, the world, whatever, it comes up again. And then we feel we need to confess that again. But if we've actually truly repented of it, right, well, then we know it's just the accuser. So, you know, it, they're just all that, just remembering that that's what we rely upon, his grace. And that, that, that was my point. But what, what you said, I, I, I agree with all of it. Yes, that's, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, it always starts out little, yeah, yeah. I, yep, no, that that's true. Uh, is there something more you wanted to say? Or? Oh, okay, no, I just... Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. And the point I'm making, okay, but in all of this, remember, when we go to him in prayer, and we're praying to him, trust me, he knows instantly. And we better examine ourselves. Are we right with him? What I mean by that, are we sincere? Right? The ones I read in there, right? They were going through the motions, but their heart was not with God. It was not for God. They did not love God. Right? They had fallen out of love. I mean, that's very, their very first charge, right? That's the root of the whole thing. They, had fall, they, they did not love God. And they had forgotten that he greatly loved them. But uh, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 13. 
And see, this is just like Malachi. Right? Verse 13, this is 200 years before Malachi. For from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even unto the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Just like these people in Malachi's time are not ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down. This is shortly before, right? They went in, the people of Malachi's time, the generations before them went into captivity. Now they're bought back, but this was shortly before that happened. Verse 16, thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, wherein is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Again, right, he gives them a big charge, and again a call, a call to repentance, tell them, just repent and start doing the right thing, right? We all have sinned, amen, and fallen short of the grace of God. And I just love that parable about the publican beating his chest. Oh, Lord, remember me. I've all done this all good. And then the tax collector have mercy, wouldn't even look up. Have mercy upon me, Lord, a sinner. And which one went, which one went home justified? The humble man who acknowledged his sin. <clears throat> but this is amazing to me. Right there says that. But what do they say right after he gives that that plea, but just come back and walk in the right ways. But they said, we will not walk therein. Just like Malachi, right? we will not walk therein. We, we, we disregard your ways. Uh, I'm going to chapter 7. Starting in verse 8, Jeremiah. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. And, you know, a lot of times I talk to it, so how can we relate this to us today, as I was talking before? You know, we need to always examine ourselves, too. You know, and look and realize you know, what we're living on, the society we're living on. But we need to always ask ourselves, what are we doing, where are we standing at? But it's a good thing for us to know, too, because if we ever come upon family members, people we know about, think we see sin, right, it, how to deal with it. How, how we, first of all, we need to understand correctly what God expects, what God desires, what pleases God and what displeases God. But listen, what words were they listening to? Well, verse 9, Will you steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and burn incense unto Baal, and walk after other gods whom ye know not? Well, Malachites, the people in Malachi's time were, doing some of these same things. Or so they were being violent. They were divorcing their wives. They were marrying foreign wives, which were leading them into committing idolatry. We remember reading elsewhere, many times, we see in Jeremiah's time, right? They were worshiping other gods, going even sacrificing their sons and daughters, and at the same time going into the temple, praying to the, praying to the God of Israel and asking for his acceptance. And he's like, oh, and burn incense and the Baal and walk up to the gods whom we know not. Verse 10. And come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations. 
Verse 11, is this house which is called by my name become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. Interesting, den of robbers. We go back to that charge in Malachi. They were by violence, by violence, taking animals from people and then bringing them to the Lord, offering them for sacrifice. And it's an abomination. It's interesting to do the same thing here. But what I say, we are delivered to all these abominations. It's not that, not the preaching we hear 99% of the, from 99% of the pulpits. Whether it be in person, go in there, whether you see it on YouTube, whether you hear it on the radio, whether you go, go in and buy, buy at your local house of bail, you know, Christian bookstore in town, look at most, most, what most of what they have is. Well, hey, we're still weak. We're, we're but men. Where, where is the talk about sin? Where is the talk about call to holiness? Again, not preaching one of those that, that right, we, we have to put a burden upon ourselves that our fathers could never bear. But what did Jesus say? Learn from me. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is what? Light. We need to be in him. The first thing, you know, if we want... We heard about his false conversions, but first of all, right, we, we need to be saved. We need to be born anew. But what do you need salvation? Why do you need salvation if you've not sinned? What do you need salvation from? From feeling bad? From, from feeling out of sorts about something? For feeling a little bad because you just... You know, lost the mortgage money, gambling, you know, whatever. No, whatever, whatever it is, right? You need salvation from your sins to be right before God. But now these people, right, are just saying, "No, hey, the grace of God, right? Jesus loves you. Walk across, walk across the the saving bridge. Say yes to Jesus, and everything's great. Go upon your life. Never mention a sin. Never mention about trying to live holy. Never mention a your life being a sacrifice unto God." You know, and you need to have balance there. But when we read through it, right, what does Scripture constantly tell us? And I'm talking the New Testament, right? And the old is not unhitched from the new because God changes not. He calls us to be holy again and again and again. He tells us to examine ourselves. He says when we do sin, we repent. But the main thing is keeping it from our hearts, staying in this word, do, doing what he did, the graces, which we're all doing right here, right? We're gathering together, we're fellowshipping, we're listening to his word, you know, praying, doing all those things. Those are his graces, and he builds us up by them. But don't let us never be deceived into thinking or excusing ourselves or letting the devil deceive us or the world, whatever it is, right? We battle against the flesh, our own flesh, the world, and the devil. And what they're also telling us, one, to stay away from this word, but something about this word is off in some way, right? The truth versus the lie. And the lie is God, the truth is God hates sin. He calls us to live holy. Anything that disregards that is a lie. And we just, we need to be aware of that. We need to be aware of that to, our first human backdrop, what's that you call it, Mike? Uh, our first you know, when, when we fall back to our, yeah, our default mode. Excuse ourselves. Excuse our bad behavior. 
trying to justify it, just like the people of Malachi did. Where do we wear thee? What do you, what do you what do you mean? What, you know what, how how have we profaned it? How have we done this? Right, not acknowledging and and it, we the longer we go without acknowledging it, we get to the point of we don't even see it anymore. You were saying right, sin starts small. Everything has to start somewhere. But yeah, go ahead. No. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, we're out of time, but I, I'll just, just respond. You know, that's true, but keep in mind, another holiness and living for the Lord. Remember, the big thing, the big thing, your heart. You do it out of a sincere love and desire for the Lord and his ways. And that's what holiness really is, and you don't sin. You may sin, and righteous people in the Old Testament sinned, and we're still called righteous. What are the righteous? Faith in God, trust in God, a heart for God. That's what righteousness means. No man beside Jesus Christ has been altogether righteous. Amen. You know, so it's not just, you know, not sinning. It's not sinning for the right reason, because you love the Lord. 
every time we sin, we're just showing at that moment anyway, we love that sin more than we love the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, but keep in mind, right, it's our heart, it's our heart attitude. Anyway, with that, we have to close because we're, we're over time here and that, but I, I appreciate all the dialogue and everything. And, and again, it gives us a show. A lot of talk from one verse, right? Amen. But really, right, the Bible, that's the thing. What We need to go back. What, what was going on in Malachi's time? How can we apply that now? You know, we look back in history. That's why history is important. And we compare it to the present, right? God doesn't change. And things in the world have not changed. Differences happen, but nothing new is under the sun. Amen. As far as people's motives and desires and everything else. So let us close with a word of prayer.